Thank you for coming to this afternoon breakout session on, on youth ministry. Um, we're going to start with a game. We have tons of candy. And we're going to... No, I'm kidding. Uh, I know. A couple of you look like you were very eager for candy. We're not doing it. Um, no, we're grateful that you guys uh, have come to this breakout. What we're going to do is a bit of a conversation on youth ministry. Uh, we have Pastor Austin. Thank you for your sermon this morning. Pastor uh, Austin is in Crossroads, our college ministry here at Grace Church. Pastor Jay Lennington, who is our junior high pastor, and then I get to serve here as our, as our high school pastor. And we're going to talk about youth ministry with you guys. Um, the title of our breakout was Believers, Unbelievers, and Make Believers, and we're going to make that as clear as we possibly can in the next uh, half hour or so. And we'll start that actually by turning to Jay. Uh, Jay, we wanted to talk a little bit about one of the things we see so prevalent in youth ministry is, you know, church is supposed to be for the believer, for the Christian, uh, and yet our youth group is often filled with non-believers, people who don't know if they're Christian, and people who would even openly tell you they're not. So how do you do ministry in a context like that, um, especially as you think about junior high? I just like that we're starting late and we're already talking about ending early. It's great. It's true mm-hmm. youth pastor. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Jay. <laughs> just no, I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, I'd also love to know who's a uh, high school pastor in here. Just show of hands. And then who does like middle school ministry, junior high ministry? Do you guys do both? Yeah, some of some the same hands yeah. are still up. Who does, yeah, who just, who does everything at their church? It's okay. So and then who's youth and music? <laughs> yeah, there you go, right there, back there. I got him. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah, I think it's a great question. We, when we think about our, our middle school ministry here, I mean, it's not that we uh, assume that all of them are unbelievers. There's, of course, kids in there who do profess faith in Christ and, you know, we genuinely believe that they're saved and we'll baptize them and welcome them into our church, of course. But generally speaking, a lot of them uh, are just in need of the gospel. So I, I try to talk to our, our parents and our, our volunteers about just kind of our philosophy of ministry, what we're about. Um, I, I think I've said this before. We really try to focus on gospel clarity. That's, you know, gospel progress, however you want to talk about that. Um, and for us, I think what that is, is just trying to make sure. So our junior high ministry is just seventh and eighth grade. Some of you will do like a true middle school ministry with sixth, seventh, and eighth. So two years is really just such a short window. So we really want to emphasize gospel progress in those two years. Um, I've been the junior high pastor here for uh, eight years and have just been reminded every year of just some confusion about the gospel with our 12 and 13 year olds, they have a pretty good understanding of it, but they usually are kind of still thinking familial, like, Oh, I'm also saved because my, you know, my parents are Christians. Um, or a student will say, you know, they're hesitant to, to put their faith in Christ because they don't want to give up hockey. And you're just like, wait, what, you know, how, how is that? So, you know, we just, we spend a, a, a great effort Wednesday night and Sunday mornings to, do what we can to really proclaim the gospel and make it clear. We want those students to leave junior high ministry 
really knowing the gospel, to know when we send them off to high school with, with Esai, to know that if they're not, if they're not saved, they, they at least know the gospel. They know what it is. They know what, what it's, what it's not. Um, and of course, those who are, we're, we're excited for them to even have that understanding more solidified as they head off to, to high school and then eventually college for, yeah, just continued growth and discipleship. So I would maybe ask that same question, you know, to you as you think about high school. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you shepherd that group? Maybe even thinking about them as really familiar with the gospel and starting to play that to go off our title a little bit that make believer kind of role. Yeah, so I, I've served in high school ministry here since August, and that kind of thing happens all the time. And so, like very high school. That's it. That was my introduction every Sunday morning. Um, and no, I think it's been one of the awesome things about high school ministry has been to see the clarity that they have gotten about the gospel. Um, and our church makes such an emphasis of that, both in, in children's and then as they move into junior high, kids know who Jesus is. The problem is coming into high school, oftentimes what we see is um, many of them don't truly know if they know him. And so they have heard a lot about Jesus. They've come to church a ton. They read their Bible. Uh, they pray a certain number of times a day. They sing certain songs. They have certain friends. And yet, when I started in ministry, the, the place I went to, my first three sermons were out of James chapter 1, uh, because I want them to understand there is a way to be deceived in this whole thing. Um, and we have a lot of students in that, in that boat. They um, are very religious. Their parents are good people. Um, and they know the stuff they should do. But they have not professed with their mouth and with their heart that they believe in Jesus as Lord. And so we, we want them to be clear not only about the gospel, but clear about their heart and its response to the gospel. And so in high school ministry, it is a clarifying ministry as well, where we're preaching that same gospel. We're making that gospel just as clear, but we're also saying, what are you going to do with it? You have to respond to the gospel. And we completely believe that God sovereignly chooses his people. We've heard that even already so far in this conference, and we recognize that at the same time, that bears itself out in people responding to him in faith. And so we're calling them to that in, in high school ministry, and it's one of the most common questions I get. Uh, after almost every Sunday sermon, I get a kid that comes up and says, okay, but how do I know that I'm saved? And it's just a, it's a ministry where we point people back to the same truths they've been hearing for years. You are saved because Christ came to save you. And those who believe and trust in him are saved. And so we, we're a ministry that continues to help people funnel back to the clarity of that gospel and to clarify for their own hearts with full assurance in Christ that they truly belong to him. Or, to be completely honest with you, that they don't. Um, I, I've, I've been meeting with a kid over the last several weeks who very openly tells me he's not a Christian. And one of the things I always tell him is, thank you for being honest. Um, and now let's just walk through this. Here's the reality of what you need to know. Here's the reality of what God says. Here's the truth about your heart. It's all, it's all going to come to a full circle for you one day. Um, but I want you to see it now. And so that's the ministry that we have before us. Um, Austin, you've served in both of these ministries, junior high and high school. Um, and yet there is like a, a bit of a difference going up to Crossroads or college ministry where instead of parents saying, go to church, these kids tend to come because they want to. Now they are kind of in that believer stage. So talk, maybe you can even fill in the gaps a little bit of junior high and high school, but maybe 
how do you shepherd a group that now intentionally desires to be here, really loves the Lord? And we have kids that love the Lord too, but by that point, it's become much more clear to them. No, I like the I like the paradigm. I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you guys are saying, and but maybe just to to start by saying, it's notable that at Grace Church we do youth ministry. Uh, that's not the case at every church. Uh, lots of there's 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 a whole world that says that youth ministry is the problem uh, with the church today, and that's because there's bad versions that do simply exist to entertain uh, goats. And, you know, practice curbology, just parents drop them off and think maybe, maybe the youth pastor can fix them. So we do youth ministry here. We have for decades and decades at Grace Church, and it's very, very much, you know, age segregated. Uh, it's, it's middle school, it's high school, it's college, and, and we do it on purpose because we think God uses it, and we think it's one of the ways that we shepherd our church well and serve our families well at the church. So I know some of you guys are probably up against either parents or folks in your church who don't believe in youth ministry. And I want you to know that our church does not believe that youth ministry violates the biblical principles of ecclesiology, things pertaining to the church, or of the God's purpose for the family. So that's just kind of a stand your ground, men, just at the beginning, just to let you know we do youth ministry here. We think that it's... Uh, one of the most fruitful harvest fields, one of the greatest and most significant mission fields that your church has is her young people. And we don't have any kind of idea that these young people have, you know, automatically inherited the grace of God because they're, they're privileged to grow up in a Christian home. We understand that there's wheat and tares throughout the church, but the next generation in the church are not of the church. You know, they're, they're not believers yet until they are. And so I think that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about youth ministry being pastoral ministry, being evangelistic, being concerned about shepherding, so that you're able to make these sort of assessments that say, you know, I'm aware that there's wheat and tares. I'm aware there's unbelievers here. I'm aware that there are those who are are you know brand new baby Christians, and there's those who are, are deeply committed to Christ, and youth ministry thrives when it's intimately connected to a good understanding of the gospel, which is what these brothers are talking about, and a healthy view of the church, so that you are not some weird parachurch within your church, or you're not disconnected from the, what the, is happening in the larger church body, but you're an extension of that work, like a Sunday school class, or like a uh, the special missions emphasis. Uh, you, it's, that's how we think about youth ministry. And so when we think about how to minister to believers, we don't have any differences in how we minister to a believer in his 40s and a believer in their teenage years. In the Colossians one twenty eight sense, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose... Also, I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So we, we want to, we obviously acknowledge that there's such a thing as an underripe strawberry, right? I mean, there's not very many 16-year-old Christians who are profoundly spiritually mature. There was, there was two, the Lord Jesus Christ and Jonathan Edwards. So <laughs> like the only two 17-year-olds who, you know, were, were, were close, 
Um, Jesus was more than close, but I mean, just so you're not you're not dealing with like you know a lot of spiritual maturity. It's yeah. it's not what maturity means, but you are seeking to assess their spiritual health. You know, does this person truly understand the gospel? Have they received Christ? Do they confess Him as Lord? Are they following Him as a true disciple? And are we doing everything we can to promote and encourage maturity, growth, godliness in the larger body of the church? Because youth ministry needs to end eventually, like hopefully when you're out of high school. And, and then as you go into college ministry, that, there should be, that should be very fluid with, with the students in your college ministry and the students in the church. What we're doing in college ministry kind of reverts back to a lot of what these guys are doing because we're trying to reach campuses. And we see that as just an opportunity for the gospel, another evangelistic opportunity. So youth pastors need to be shepherds, and they need to be evangelists. Yeah, and I think part of the way that, you know, we, we can talk about having unbelievers make believers in our midst, but we also recognize the Lord is doing a great work in the lives of our students, and we love that. And so one of the ways that I always think of it is I, I, if you tell me you're a Christian, I, I treat you like a Christian, right? And so I, I will regard you as that unless there's glaring signs that show me otherwise, and we'll have those open, honest conversations. But I think the, the one we're having now demonstrates we're trying to be clear about the Bible, and we're also trying to know them well enough to be able to speak into their lives. And so a good youth pastor is only as good as he knows his youth, right? Like, so the people in your ministry, you have to know them. Uh, you have to be with them and be intentional in that way to understand them. Uh, Austin talked a little bit about parents, and I wanted to bring that up as a question as well. Uh, our ministries, they kind of come in contact a ton with the people that are raising these kids, and there is a relationship that a youth pastor is building with parents, and I wanted to kind of talk through a little bit and help these guys think through what's a, the wise way to approach that, how should we view being youth pastors coming alongside parents, and what's an unwise way, an un- unhealthy way even uh, to approach helping parents uh, as a youth ministry? Me? You. Um, a lot of parents in junior high, guys. A lot of parents. Um, <laughs> what, you know, do you I, mean, what do you mean by that? I think uh, <laughs> they, they have a lot of concerns and questions. Um, you know, it's. I, I think even to connect it to something that, that Austin was talking about with the curbology um parents you know you might be up against some parents who are you know we'll we'll take it from here but some of those parents with the curbology thought of like hey we're we don't know what else to do so good luck um i just you know I, i think it's so helpful and so important to talk about you know i I think of ephesians 6 just helping parents understand you know, that, that their responsibility to bring up their children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Um, so things that we do to, to help that, to make sure parents understand what we're about and, and how our ministry exists to, to partner with them, we, we just try to say those things often. Um, every year we'll have a parent meeting, uh, maybe even a couple times a year. We're just communicating to parents, we are not trying to replace you. We don't want to replace you. Um, we're not a babysitting service, but we are here to partner with you. We are here to share the same burden that you have for your, your teenager, and that is that they would come to saving faith in Christ. We have that same burden, 
And we want to say the same things that you're saying at home. Um, we want to we want to help them come to that realization that they need Christ. And so, I think in, in junior high especially, with you know, so I, I also help in children's ministry, and you know, parents there are, are you know, it's it's very those little kids, and there's a lot of check in and check out. And by the time we get to junior high, there's a little more freedom and a little more, you know, teenager just kind of action. And so we, we want to help those parents understand we're here to help them. We want to help you too understand what your kids are going through and help you talk about what's going on in their lives in a way that's helpful, but knowing we share the same exact burden. We rejoice when your kid comes to Christ too. It's our favorite thing. And we're here to, to labor for, you know, 90 minutes or two hours a week, knowing that it might be helpful to your you know, kids, as it is for me as a parent who has two kids in Esai's ministry and knowing, you know, that their youth pastor loves the gospel and wants to see them not only come to salvation, but grow in that faith. But I, I think that would be my answer is really try to communicate it often and clearly, you know, what we're about. Yeah. And I, I think it's just demonstrating to parents that we, we are teammates. We, we're people who are coming alongside to help you shepherd your kid. And so that's one of the ways that we do it, and even in high school ministry, is we always even try to point our students back to the fact that if you have questions, if you have things that you're working through, the first person you need to talk to is actually your mom and dad. Um, we we want to help, and we'd love to come alongside, but let's make sure everyone who needs to be involved is actually involved in the stuff that you're going through. Um, and one of the ways that we come alongside parents, too, because, Jay, you kind of alluded to this, is, is helping them understand, right? Like you said, we're, we're not a babysitter service. And I also think youth ministry is very distinct to your normal worship service. It's not, it's not what happens in the worship center. And one of the things that I talk about with parents in our parent nights is you know, youthfulness isn't sinfulness. Like your kid's a teenager, and that doesn't make him bad. can make him immature. I understand that he eats mustard and Oreo sandwiches. That's a, I, we'll work through that. But that's not... <laughs> That's not necessary. You tried it? We, I have tried it with peanut butter. It's pretty bomb. So <laughs> that's not necessarily simple. Look, we got Mountain Dew right up front and center. Come on, give it up for Mountain Dew. That's a youth pastor right there. You, you didn't, okay, you didn't have to. Um, and, and so reminding them that this stage of life, though it could be difficult and there's a lot of challenges with it, there's a lot of good that comes with it too. Um, and when I think of our young people, I think a lot of Ecclesiastes 11. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. There's a a sobering reality to how life works, and yet God also says, enjoy where you're at. And I want our young people to understand that, and I want even parents to understand that. We we want them to enjoy these days that they won't get back. And so that's that's an obligation I think you have as a youth pastor with parents is to help them through that season where one of the reasons your kid gets under your skin is because he can jump higher than you. And that's just because you're 45 now. So that's, there's just something different about it. And, and your kid's just letting out energy and, and all the fruitfulness of being young that I didn't appreciate a lot of us don't have. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> no, no, no. No me tocas. No me tocas. No we have a high school pastor who speaks Spanish now, which has been just revolutionary. Es muy bueno. <laughs> Oh, this is. Um, I want to talk. 
Por favor. I've been I've been uh, a youth pastor since dinosaurs were on the earth, and I resemble Esai's remark about you know getting beat at one on one by my son, but uh, you know the and the older I get and Jay Jay feels this way too because he's barely younger than me, um, and Esai has Esai's a parent too, but he he has like I think seventeen kids under five something like that. It's a bunch of them, so. His I wife's think, expecting right I now, too. I think the right That's number exciting. is four. He comes in like every six months. My wife's expecting. It's incredible. He's, <laughs> he's Puerto Ricans, man. They're, every answer to guess what, yeah. we, we know. Yeah. All it's right. Like, guess what? We're like, we know. We know. Well, I didn't think we'd be announcing it this way, but Austin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, felicidades. Um, okay, so here's, the, so here's what I was thinking about. As, as a parent, as a dad... I don't want to be arrogant and think that I have everything that my kids need. I, that's not even true at my house. I have three daughters. They need their mom. Like, there's just some things that she's going to help them with, counsel with them. That it's just, She's just infinitely more wise than I am on a number of topics. But I would not just leave that constraint to my roof. That goes far outside. And I don't want to be arrogant and insulated in the way that I am hopeful that the Lord will work in my kids' hearts. So I'm eager to not be the only voice in their life. So I, I envy, you know, the opportunity for Pastor Jay to speak into my son's life in middle school and my daughter's lives in, in Esai's ministry for them to hear somebody else. I mean, they've been hearing me preach the gospel. They're pastor's kids. They've been hearing me preach the gospel since they were, you know, in the womb. So it, 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 you don't always hear your dad the same way you hear somebody else. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I love that. I think Jay said somebody else is saying the same thing. And so I'm grateful for the volunteers in our church who work with our high school kids, our middle school kids. And, and we need to just show parents that, that, I mean, that Ephesians 4 paradigm that says he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building of the body of Christ. Uh, I mean, the church is composed of all these different people with all these different spiritual gifts. And I love the renewed emphasis in family worship that's come out these days. I love my Reformed Baptist brothers who, you know, maybe run too far with the prophet, prophet priest, king, father motif. Um, but I don't want to be so arrogant to think that you know, every father is supposed to be a pastor. I get that that's a concept, like you, you pastor your family. But, you know, a, a family needs a pastor. Dads aren't pastors unless the dad's a pastor. So you need a pastor. You need, you need a dad. You need these other people in your life, uh, winsome sages in your church, these ladies who, who will speak truth into the lives of your daughters. Uh, you need, you know, godly older men who are just going to spend time uh, investing in your kids. And, and that doesn't take you off the hook. It reminds you of like one of the most basic spiritual truths. You are not irreplaceable. Is that triple negative? Uh, I mean, you're, you're not going to be around forever for your kids. And, and so you want to build them into the church. And that's one of the things we want to do in youth ministry, right? So, you know, just think about that when you're talking about parents. I like, um, I like how you mentioned volunteers. I wonder if either of you would have some thoughts about, I don't know, just helping the guys here. Is there any, any thoughts you have about how to also shepherd the volunteers in your ministry? 
anything that you think would be helpful? I think start by getting them, getting mm-hmm. the volunteers. Like, don't be the one-man show. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you want to help me with the teenagers? Like, that's a great place to start. You see somebody who doesn't hate 13-year-olds, uh, you know, and loves Jesus and, you know, doesn't have a record. Let's... It's a good all start. important. All I, of those no, I, matter. I listed all that stuff on purpose. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff on purpose. Not funny. So, <laughs> no, no. I want that. I want those things in that order. So, don't hate teenagers. Love Jesus. No record. You're in. That's pretty good. Um, so you got to ask for help, and and it's such a cool way to link people into using their spiritual gifts in your church. You know, come come disciple some dudes. Come come uh, you know help maintain order in the youth ministry. And, you, you know, there, there's going to be people who have the right temperament for that. So there's, there's more to it. But you, I, I would just start with that. And then Isaac can talk about how to care for those people, how to lead those people, serve those people. But you got to get them, like get people involved in, in this opportunity because it's a really cool opportunity. Sometimes they're parents of those same kids. Sometimes that doesn't work. Uh, sometimes they're, they're younger people, like, you know, college age, but they got some spiritual maturity. They just went through some of this stuff so they understand and relate to these teenagers really well. So, I mean, just get help and, and don't, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. And I think in our ministries, we recognize, right. It, it is, there is that Titus two element where you want older men, younger men, older women, younger women, and that natural funnel of growth that happens through the work of the gospel. And the same way Austin talked about parenting, I think it should be the same for you as a youth pastor. If you think you should be the only voice in these kids' lives, then you're kidding yourself. And so find them and find the right people, and then you, you need to delegate to them well um, and, and do that in love. It's not just that they're useful to you because they aren't there to serve you. They're, ser- they're there to serve Christ and to serve his people. And so I think it, an easy way to kind of mitigate that is find those people and then shepherd them because they're going to do a lot of the hard work in ministry that you can't get to. Um, I recognize that here in our group, there's just there's too many kids for me to know all of them. But when you have a, a team that's large enough and capable enough, you get to depend on them to report back and say, like, hey, what's going on? Who, where do I need to go? Who do I need to talk to? Um, what, what kind of joys and what kind of trials are you guys going through in ministry? And, and even more than that, those are people that then you get to build up for ministry and, and show them that they have a stake in the game, too, that this doesn't depend on you, but... I think a lot of that comes down to appreciation, um, you know, affirming people in your ministry and letting them know that you not only want to deploy them, but that you see what they're doing and that you love seeing that and that you're grateful for that. You recognize the value they bring to your team. Um, And so it's building a team and then encouraging that team uh, day in and day out. And so you got to find the right way that works for you. Um, Not every team needs a a meeting every four, every two weeks. Um, You know, maybe you're a once a month Let's get together. Let's let's go through some logistics. Um, let's devote some time to the word. Um, whatever suits the, the church you're in, the context you're in. You part of this honestly would come down to this. You have to know your people. Um, I, I couldn't tell you how to lead them because I don't know them. So you've got to know your people, and then in that you have to love them. And so you're going to find that that frees you up a little bit more to do some of that shepherding that many of you I'm sure want to do, rather than trying to just figure out every Sunday, okay, what kids should I talk to? Well, if you develop your leaders well enough, they might tell you. Um, they, might, they might guide you. They might give you a roadmap into that. So, yeah, you have to pour into your leaders because they're the ones doing the hard work and, and alongside you, right? Uh, it's not absolving the work that you have, but it will only make you stronger in that sense too. I don't know if you've got anything to add to that. 
Oh, I just remember sitting in those chairs about 10 years ago or longer, 12. It's been a while. Yeah, a long time. Being here for my <laughs> stop. Being here for my first shepherds conference as a youth pastor and just so eager for lessons and for help and trying to figure out what to do. And I just came from a church that was very, um, you know, youth leaders, those volunteers, it was like a two year tour of duty, you know, just come for two and we'll just use you for crowd control. And then thank you so much. We'll see you. And it, it blew me away to hear Austin and some other youth pastors just talk about the importance of caring for your volunteers, you know, how you shepherd them and, Maybe even one of the, the coolest things about some consistency and, and uh, being around for, for a while, you get to see students go through your ministry and then through high school and into college and then want to come back and serve. You know, I, I've been here now where that's starting to happen. And it is such a cool just testimony to the Lord and his grace to see a young person come back and say, hey, I know I was awful in junior high, but I would love to serve because I just know how important it was in my life. And, you know, is there any way you'd let me? And I'm like, let's do a background it's what the check. Hebrew, it's what the Hebrew scriptures call karma. <laughs> Put you in the worst group. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's what I would just add that. That was helpful, you guys. Should we take some questions? What are you? Let's go to the crowd. Yeah, let's, let's, let's we have some. We have yeah, some handsome questions. cats in the back with yeah, microphones. We got, got some of our, our youth youth ministry guys, dudes. Oh, with do mics. we need one of these? Riley, Saeed, Me? wow. Riley, Riley took two microphones. That seems excessive. No, it's fine. No, no, it's fine. No, I, uh, Riley, Riley, it's okay. No, here, have this one too. <laughs> now you have to guard both of those because you just gave two microphones away to strangers. You have no idea, Riley, you have no idea what we'll talk about this later. Hello, you guys got a pawn shop nearby where I can sell this mic? See? I warned you about this. Uh, my first question is I What's your name and where are you from? I am, uh, my name is Joseph. I'm from Payson, Arizona. Um, my first big question is I want to know how I can have uh, cool socks like you. Just purchase them. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, I've got... Uh, if you're I've... asking me for my socks, I'm using them right now, but I'm happy to give them to you later today. Well, I'm pretty sure that you're big enough that I would actually fit in my whole body in just one of your socks. So That sounds like a youth ministry game. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's go. Um... So I've got an unusual dynamic. Um, most of um, my uh, my youth group, their parents actually don't attend church, and that's by virtue of the fact that um, I did a lot of high school. Um, the particular dynamic we're in, they actually let pastors onto the school property without trying to shoot them. Um, and so I can actually go there as a volunteer to the middle school and to the high school, and I, I do that every week. And because of that, I have a lot of students whose parents actually don't go to church and might not even be believers. So I was curious, I have made concerted efforts to get them into church and become actually part of the body as opposed to just dropping their kids off and going, but it doesn't seem to be working. So I was wondering if you had any suggestions for that. Yeah, I can. 
Um, yeah, I just think that's going to be more and more common. And I, I would, I would offer you a few suggestions. One, do whatever you can to get to know those parents, uh, reach out to them, let them know who you are and what your church is about. Um, and I think here, when we have a student like that, I try to encourage, especially when you know, like that students maybe being a little more knuckleheady than normal, um, I just try to encourage our staff and keep myself encouraged that there is an opportunity here that's not going to last forever. Um, I, I think of it like, you know, this window is open right now and this kid is here for six weeks or six months or maybe a year. So let's just do what we can to show them Christ and show them the gospel and see what the Lord will do with it. Um, I think because of where we live, that maybe is a little more common. We just, you know, get some students kind of in and out, but whatever we can do to, to get to know those parents. And as a youth pastor, especially, I would love to call those parents and just talk to them and see what's going on and let them know that I'm, you know, their kids, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor and I'm speaking into their kids' lives and would just want to know how I could help and see what's going on, invite them to our church and, you know, see what the Lord might do with that. But, um, yeah, outside of that, I think just trying with, you know, great effort to not look at that kid as a, oh, man, when does he graduate or when does she leave? But to think of it like this is, a, this is an incredible opportunity. You know, the Lord is bringing this kid through a friend or two friends or whatever, but how cool that they're here and who knows how the Lord might use that gospel seed that's planted here later, you know, try to keep myself and our volunteers thinking that way. I do want kids to invite their friends. Um, and I, I would say this, like, we don't ever want to come across as though we're a threat to any parent or their their stake in a kid's life. And at the same time, the gospel does that. We've seen, I saw it as soon as I entered into this ministry, there was a, a girl in our ministry who wanted to be baptized and her parents were not quite okay with it. And she came to know the Lord. She loves Christ. And I think the only way that it really worked out was the parents saw we weren't trying to tell this kid to do anything. This girl loves Jesus. This is what she wants to do. And she's coming to church however she possibly can. And whenever the parents reach out, we just say, I'm, I'm just a pastor, so this is my job. I, I've got to preach on Sundays, and I've got Bible studies Wednesdays, and we love having your daughter. She's really awesome. She's really sweet. And then the parents begin to see, oh, they're not forcing anything. This kid is just doing what she wants to do, and the Lord's doing a work in her life. And I, I love seeing that in the lives of our students, and it's exactly why we would continue to just keep pouring into our students in a way where they would invite others and allow that to work itself out however the Lord would see fit in these families. Uh, somebody else have a microphone, a question? I, the thing I was going to say, just that I appreciate what Isai said, um, in college ministry we, we're doing, I'm talking about that all the time with students because a lot of kids are joining the church uh, in their college years. They moved here from somewhere else. They go to UCLA. They become a part of our college ministry, and, and I convince them that church membership is biblical and beneficial, and so they, they sign up, and I do that with the Bible, and so I do a lot of membership interviews after, after college ministry, and I've started to ask that question automatically if they're signing up to get baptized, like, what do your parents think? Not because I'm trying to deter them, but it gives me a little window into their testimony and their world. We, I've had some wild conversations. I mean, some kids come into 
Christ from like a Buddhist background family. Some uh, one one girl in particular who who had a, a dad who's like a reformed, like a staunchly reformed pastor. He was super offended that she wanted to be baptized as a believer. So just those, those kind of things and helping the, the student navigate that and shepherd them through that is just part of discipleship. Uh, what were you going to, what was your question? Hi. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say I've had a couple of youth groups go poorly because of Mike's wandering around. So this is very trusting of yeah. you all today. Um, well, we, but we've seen it go a little bit sideways already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, let's, you know, let's try to, let's try well, to maybe well, get to the question. I'll, I'll try to goal. recover it. Yeah. Because I can kind of do this to the guys in the back and then you don't have a microphone. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't you start with your name? The same thing. Start with your name. Let's follow the rules. Yes. Tell us where um, you're from, and then ask your question. My name. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Caleb. I'm from Tehachapi, California. And uh, my question was actually for just gospel presentation. I was wondering, um, there's different ways and different um, passages you can go to as far as gospel presentation. Maybe some more simple, maybe some uh, with a little more depth and just different writers explain it different ways. And so I was wondering if you had maybe a couple verses and a couple like biblical authors that you go to uh, more than others specifically for, and if there's any difference, middle school, high school, college. Love it. I, I mean, I want to preach, to, we'll be able to preach the gospel from any spot, uh, you know, that I find myself in the Bible. So I, I want to learn to do that as a preacher. I wanted to learn to do this as an evangelist. So, I mean, there's obvious places like the the book of Romans that lays out the gospel, you know, stuff like the Romans road. I know there's a lot of tricks and hints kind of evangelism where, you know, you ask a series of questions, you ever stole anything, how that make you feel, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not mad at any kind of gospel presentation as long as it keeps the gospel at the forefront of it, which is the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. So I want to present that, and then I want to ask, you know, show them that the, the necessary thing is a response in faith. So I don't think you have to be really complicated, and I think you can get there from almost anywhere. So a passage about righteousness, you can jump there. Uh, a passage about holiness, you can jump there. A passage about sin, you can get there. So there, there's a million ways to get to the gospel from any passage of Scripture. So that, that's kind of how I would think about it. What would you, what, what's your go-to? Um. I was going to say, <laughs> well, well, learning, learning from, honestly, I think that's the crazy thing. <laughs> learning a bit from, they all have mics, except you. Uh, no, I think learning from Austin and then honestly being able to go to the seminary here and be at church at Grace, I, I do think there's a bit of, we, we get to the gospel wherever we're at. And so I've just finished preaching Colossians and that's, that was an entire time of me pointing them back to the person and work of Jesus. That's the whole point, the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. Uh, nothing else can take his place. Um, and nothing else even comes close. And so, um, but if, there's, if there is a passage that I, I'd give that I think is worth some thought on that, and again, it's just how I started James 1. Um, I don't think it's often thought of for that, but it gives this thread of gospel that is often overlooked it begins with the deceitfulness of sin, uh, how sin brings forth death. But God, because he's good, the father of lights, in whom there's no shadow variation due to change, he brings us forth from the word of truth. There you go back to Jesus. And then a response. But be doers of the words and not hearers only. So I think there you have a full picture of gospel. God has made us. God isn't tempting us to sin. We sin because we want to. 
God has done something about it. He's brought us forth by the word of truth. And now God calls us to a response. And it isn't just, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to do what he says. I, I see that I've been released from sin and freed to Christ, so I'm going to live for him. That's the gospel. So that's a go-to for me if, if that helps. Same. It's just, you know, as a junior high, like I, like I said a minute ago, trying to, to bring the gospel to the forefront every week, twice a week, I'm just so eager to find my way there. Um, but I, I understand your question. I, I would just say, I mean, there's, there's so many. Ephesians 2, of course. Uh, Titus 2 has got a great section. First Timothy 1.15 is maybe one of my favorites, just that the saints trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. You know, I mean, just, but <clears throat> I agree with, you know, these, these brothers. I think we're just, we're so eager to show them the gospel from wherever we're at in scripture because we know that's what they need, you know, and so I hope, hope that, hope that helps. We have another question. You have a mic? Yeah, who who has a mic? Where? On the left side. Okay, great. Uh, I'm James. I'm from uh, Murrieta in Southern California. Thank you, James. Way to go. Really well <laughs> done. Uh, just wondering what uh, wisdom or counsel do you have to deal with the bad influence uh, kind of kids in ministry who either come because their parents are dropping them off or um, just coming to hang out with friends and while they're there can pull others away who are um, immature in their faith or weak in their faith. Okay, I'll go first quickly. I would just say kind of what I said a second ago. I want to I want to just be so mindful of who they are, um, that they're here, and that this opportunity might not last forever. Um, so sometimes, I, I mean, a, a myriad of approaches. You could have a leader or two meet with them uh, for a few minutes. You know, each Wednesday night that they're with you. Um, I think getting to know their parents would be as helpful as possible. I think it's just trying to be as long suffering as you can. I want to, the last thing I want to do is, is say they can't be here anymore. So just working with their parents, working with them, trying to explain it, trying to make sure they understand what we're doing, how much we want them here, you know, just all that stuff to make sure that they know that they're, they're welcome here and that we want them here to, you know, to hear the truths of God's word for sure. But all that, just trying to, trying to do those things. But if it does get to that point, I think that's why it is helpful to have that relationship with a mom or a dad or whoever that guardian is to just say, hey, here's, here's what we're dealing with. Here's what we're working with. We'd love for them to still be able to come. We're, we're getting into some, some tough spots here and just want, you, you know, could you help? Like, cause we, we love that they're here. Um, I, that's how, that's where I would start. Okay. One question, one answer. Which of the two of you, what do you like? Yeah, there we go. Rapid fire. Uh, hello. Thanks guys. Mark Lim over here from uh, Irvine, California. Question is for the volunteers and teachers. Um, how do you guys and what suggestions can you give to make sure that uh, the teachers are being ministered to, that you're regularly aware of if they're abiding in Christ and that they're edified? Yeah, again, I would say it, it's a reflection of your love and care for them. I mean, it, if those people are there just to serve your interests, then you won't meet with them very much. You'll just... Tell them what to do, and it's done. But I think if you recognize the fruit and and um, really the weightiness of the ministry that's before them, you'll want to care for their souls. And so I think you do that in any way you possibly can. If uh, an inside look into what some of what I do, I, I meet with our staff once a month. Uh, we try to do hangouts together. We have 
uh, guys that oversee our different Bible studies. Um, there's shepherds at those Bible studies that try to meet with them intentionally. Um, but again, it's hard to provide a roadmap for you not knowing your people, and I don't want to give you um, things to do without knowing the hearts of those people. So I would just say you, you need to take the time to say, who are these people? How do, how do they respond to my leadership, and how can I love them well? And you have to pour into them because I think that is one of the tricky things about youth ministry. It's such a, it takes such an investment from them that you can burn out very quickly. Um, and I would want them to know we're here to ensure that doesn't happen. One of the ways is pointing those same people back to the gospel. That if you're going to be burnt out, don't, don't, don't let it be because of you. Let it be because of Christ. That's what he's going to do anyway. He's going to expend all of us in ministry. So I'm pointing them back to the gospel and the fruit of the work that's happening in us because of him. And so you have to shepherd them. You, you just have to, and you have to find a way to do that for those people in particular. Over, over here? On the other side. Uh, my name, what? All right. My name is Mason Medina. I'm also from Murrieta, California. Uh, I'm on the junior high staff at uh, Faith Bible Church in Murrieta. Uh, my question is, with the culture of homosexuality and transgenderism and the pandemic of pornography rampant in the church, how can cre- we create an environment of uh, that encourages confession with students? Uh, how to create an environment of confession? You know, I, I think of what I can control. I, I can't control the Spirit's work in a person, and I can't make them confess something. Uh, heat lamps, you know, in their face in a detective scene. That's, that's not my goal. Um, I, I can preach and I can pray. So I'm going to preach with conviction, trusting the Spirit of God will work through the Word of God and bring that conviction out. Um, as far as ongoing accountability you have with students who confess to be Christians, that's part of discipleship. And, you know, it's going to look different with every relationship, how, how intimate that level of, of relationship is uh, with that student who, who has a voice in their life, uh, talking to them about all, all this stuff. Uh, sexual sin is particularly difficult because it does so much damage to a person. That's what 1 Corinthians 6 says. It's, it's bad for your body. And it, it influences your union with Christ. And so we, we take it very seriously, but we also understand that, that all sin alienates, all sin separates. And so we want to minister to students with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and trust the results uh, to the Lord. I, I have no particular you know, ways to... I, I think you just want to preach faithfully and, and watch the Lord work as you disciple young people. Next question. Who has a microphone? Danny Evans. Danny Evans, uh, Millersburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, had a question, uh, transgender as well, but about policy. Uh, does your church have a policy as far as small groups, uh, overnight trips, um, bathrooms, things like that? And how do you communicate that policy to the students and the parents? Uh, I think I, I think I got it. So you're asking about how we would navigate it if someone like that came to our ministry, whatever. Um, we trips in particular. Yeah. So we, we do make it clear where we stand on issues, especially when a parent's sending someone to our groups. Um, and we also make it clear that if you're going on our kind of trip, you have to abide by our kind of rules. So we just make that really clear in our registration. We put our policies on our registration. It's always very clear up front what a parent and their students signing up for. And so we don't, we don't leave room for ambiguity in that. Um, I think it's kind of, do you have anything else, Jay? 
Take my okay. Here we go. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I'm from Alaska, Roger Huntington from Alaska, talking here with Bobble Camp, and uh, I I'm older now, and I've been given responsibility to uh, proclaim Christ amongst the youth uh, of Village Alaska, and we have 250 kids this summer from 18 villages who are unchurched, and. Uh, for the past, this is my 13th year coming down here, and I recruit people like you who, who from churches, from your churches, to come and preach in Alaska. And uh, you can go to CochraneHealth.org and uh, look us up, and uh, we're hungry for counselors and uh, expositors of teachers. And, and again, these are Native kids, and uh, uh, and. We're really desirous to have good teaching up there. And, and thank you for those who come and send people to our church. Thank you, Roger. Well, actually, that, that, is, a, that is an amazing segue. That, I, that's awesome. And we do have to wrap up here soon. So thank you for your questions. I know some of you still have some. We'll, we'll linger and try to answer a few of those. Um, look, Shepherds Conference doesn't need to be the only time that we kind of uh, talk about youth ministry and one of the ways that we like to promote a continued like-mindedness between us is we'd love to invite you guys to uh, join our Camp Regen this summer. Uh, it's, a, it's a ministry for high school students, so 9th to 12th grade. We have got a video to, to show you, but we would just want to extend that to you as a way for us to keep in touch um, and a way to bless your students. Um, you're, look, I know what you guys are, are looking for. We're looking for the same, biblical preaching, uh, solid doctrine, uh, fun, and you're trying to find out the, the right way to do that. And we've been doing this thing for over a decade, and I think it's a blessing. So we'd love to show this to you real quick. And then if you have got questions and stuff like that, just come up. We'd love to talk with you. So thank you guys for coming to our breakout session.